Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Nutanix Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I'm sitting in an airport in Richmond, Virginia. I've got a mask, but I may have to throw on every so often as people walk by that might question why I don't have it on. Uh, I'm sitting here all by myself. There's not, not anyone within 100 feet of me, so I think I'm, I think Dr. Fauci would approve, I guess. Uh, i got Harvey Green with me. Harvey, how's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. And of course, Jira Cox, I called you, I was listening. Believe it or not, I listened to these things. I listened to the uh, the last two we did on the flight up here, and uh, it was awesome. I I reminded myself that I called you the, the professor in the last one, or maybe the one before that. So that's <laughs> that's Jira's new name, the professor. I'm also sitting here maskless, because uh, I'm sitting here alone in my house, like I have been every day for the last year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there's moving boxes in the background. Are you moving or unpacking still? We're moving. We are in the process of moving from the Charlotte area over to the Raleigh area sometime between now and end of the year. A little what? bit TBD. No, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big Raleigh fan. I went to college up there, and I go up almost every weekend, it seems like, for my kids now. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a Charlotte guy. I like both, but what's, oh, uh, yeah, what's precipitating that? Uh, we have family moving to the Raleigh area, so we're going to be closer to them. So, okay, that's good. The benefit was... of a work from anywhere job is my anywhere can be can be, can become Raleigh. Yes, yeah. your anywhere can be anywhere. Yeah, it's amazing. So so deep. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, I, we have a ton to cover on this one. We decided to cover this week a hybrid cloud infrastructure with Nutanix and Microsoft Azure. I was again listening to the podcast on the way up here, and uh, we were, you know, we've been bugging Jira about this one forever, and yes. he, finally, he finally gave it to us. We'll give him all the credit. Uh, nobody oh yeah, else it's totally my call. <laughs> Jira gets all the credit. Uh, but Jira, so let's let's just uh, jump in and, and talk about the intro here, and and uh, you know why this why this happened and, and why it's happening now. Yeah. So the the why, right? Um, probably drafts a lot of tailwind from the why Nutanix clusters on any hyperscaler public cloud cluster, right? Which is to give customers more uh, agility, more freedom and ease of migration uh, between lots of environments in their, what we're, you know, our theme this year for, for .next and for um, a lot of stuff, right? They're hybrid multi-cloud, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding that you're gonna ha you have to have workloads that run in multiple areas, right? That can be AWS, can be Azure, can be on-prem. And we want to make those as easy to manage uh, among each other uh, and as easy to move workloads between them uh, and deploy workloads into as possible, right? So timing's interesting. I, I did a podcast with VMware a couple months ago or a month ago, and we talked about their ability to have desktops run on top of vSphere, ESX, vSphere uh, in various clouds. Uh, and then I listened to the Citrix um, podcast, the click down on the way up here, and they were talking about the ability to have this uh, service that manages workloads that can go across different clouds, but only limited to VMware at the moment. Uh, this idea that having workloads that can run, in your case, kind of natively on various platforms, real time or at a moment's notice, that's that's a big part of going, going forward, right? Yeah, for sure, right? Um, well, I think part of it becomes, there's lots of interesting ways, right? But of course it's, it's IT, there's 18 ways to solve any given problem. And, Achieving a multi-cloud deployment via building that new stuff, right? Taking a template and spinning it out into five different clouds certainly can be very valid for certain use cases. For most of the customers I talk to, they're, they already have their VMs. They already have their apps. Um, sometimes there's an appetite for, hey, we're going to use converting tools to move them from X to Y. 
a lot of times there's not, right? It's here are VMs, but I have to, you know, I've, I have to get this app running in this particular cloud. When that can be as simple as, well, hey, great, go, you already have some Nutanix nodes on-prem and you love Nutanix for running workloads for reasons X, Y, and Z, or there's more than three actually, right? Reasons A through Z uh, for running Nutanix workloads, uh, running workloads on Nutanix on-prem. When those are running Nutanix VMs, well, guess what? There's a really easy way to migrate my applications from, you know, it within my hybrid multi-cloud, right? From cloud to cloud, uh, Nutanix to Nutanix, right? And when I, and Nutanix is just a software-defined uh, solution, right? To run workloads. So if I can get hardware from a cloud provider, put software on it and move workloads, move workloads over, that's a pretty easy solution to, uh, to get. You get think the guys get. back in the day were smart enough to know, and that's why Acropolis hypervisor happened the way it did, or is that just, uh, just happened to be, just happened to be how it worked out in the long run? I don't know. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, you know, little column A, little column B. Um, I mean, you know, AHV, right, has its roots in giving our customers freedom and choice, right? Um, so that we can have more flexible deployment options early on. You know, already we have a whole gamut of on-prem hardware solutions, right? Lots of different shapes, sizes, logos. Um, and, you know, nodes from a cloud provider are just another option. Yeah. All right. So as I promised, we'd move forward rather quickly because we have so much to cover. It's, uh, it says now in preview. So I know in the uh, conversation a week or so ago, there was a little bit of banter back and forth around, hey, you delivered it. Well, not quite. It's in preview or um, EA or something. I forget what, why you called it. But anyway, what is what does this now in preview piece mean? I think even as long as we've been doing this podcast, start, you can see we're making forward progress, right? So <laughs> used to we couldn't talk about it. Now we can talk about, hey, it's in preview. Um, the uh, so it's it's a it's a journey, not a destination. Um, the um, yeah, so no, we're of course we're thrilled to have Azure as the the latest announced um, part of our hybrid you know cloud platform. Yeah, and then there's a nice uh, graphical representation here that's got Prism at the top, uh, and it's got various platforms below it. Um, uh, if I highlight, uh, you know, it shows on premises or Nutanix. Uh, private cloud, which means your data center, some colo, wherever you're running Nutanix uh, licenses that you've purchased or subscribed to. And then the, uh, the Nutanix cloud platform brings in all under the Prism banner uh, Azure at this point, right? Right. I would go just one step beyond that, right? To say it's not, it's not really private cloud unless you also have thought about automation, governance, uh, you know, accounting, whether that's real chargeback or more commonly just shame back for your top consumers. Um, <laughs> You know, all you those say things. Tomato, that, I say tomato. Right. <laughs> and so all those things, when they can apply to both my Nutanix on-prem and my Nutanix in the cloud, right? That's what really lets that that private cloud um, uh, maturity model slide across, you know, from whether I want to consume that as nodes on-prem, nodes in the cloud, either or, but mix of both. Yeah. Harvey, any comments on that dialogue around what is cloud and what is not cloud and, and how this applies to it? I mean, the, the big thing for me and anybody who's been listening to this knows that I've been waiting on this for a while. Uh, and we've got plenty of people been, who have been waiting on it a while. Just just the flexibility that this brings you, uh, the, the flexibility behind this makes the whole, you know, buzzwords of hybrid multi-cloud actually take place and be real because now you have the ability to do it in your private data center, you have the ability to do it in Azure, you have the ability to do it in AWS, and you have the ability to use all three of them at the same time if that's what you want to do. Now you actually have 
the ability to do hybrid multi-cloud the way that we've been talking about it for so long um, and do it under one platform and be managed, you know, under Prism or Prism Central. So basically under one roof. Uh, you've got some commonalities between all three of them, even though they are completely different sets of resources uh, and, you know, handled by completely different sets of people. We've had several customers that I can think of that have had Citrix built in their data center, which you could argue was as a service. And now they've moved to Citrix in a cloud as a service. Uh, and now they're collapsing one of their data centers that was running Nutanix and going to replace it with Azure, maybe even Nutanix on Azure, and then continue to maintain Nutanix and the other so that they get the, the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Totally. I mean, uh, I think if, you, if you're a two-site, two-data center site today with like, you know, sort of a primary and secondary or prod and DR construct, I mean, it's uh, one of the easiest ways to uh, go beyond kick the tires, right? Because you can always, tire kicking is easy. Putting, testing things for real is a little bit harder, but saying, let's try a cloud-based DR site one of the easiest ways to stand up a cluster, right? Because it's it stands up in about you know an hour or so. Build your VPN tunnels to get to it, and then start replicating your workloads. So, Jira, the next section in here says three easy steps to hybrid cloud. Step one is deploy Nutanix on Azure. That that's similar to building out your Nutanix environment on premises. Now you're just going through whatever process that is within the Azure environment. The uh, if we if we steal any prior art here, uh, we'll reuse uh, our uh, Nutanix uh, control plane, right? So we built a cloud uh, deployment model that actually builds the notes for you, right? So you simply log into your portal and say, "I want some notes on Azure. Here's my tenant subscription. All right, go consume nodes and put Nutanix on them for me, please and thank you." You go away, you come back in about four to five minutes and that's all up and running for you. So there's nothing to actually do on your part. You just tell it how big of a cluster you want it to build and it builds it for you. And this is kind of under the, the banner that they released at .next around Nutanix flow networking and its new features that it can automatically build these things out for you. Right. So, I mean, the cool thing about anything with an API, right, is that it becomes very, very automatable. So that, that type of, yeah, we did highlight on the stage a, a workflow that said, um, when I declare a disaster, right, that becomes like a button that I just push. And that button can go grab more nodes, bring them online, expand the cluster. Once they're online, fail over the workloads, we're up and running, uh, easy peasy, and, and most importantly, predictable, right? Like uh, the, the, you know, I, I can say I've been helping customers do, you know, on-prem infrastructure-based disaster recovery for a long time using a whole slew of products. I've never seen a customer that had the whole thing start to finish in an automated, very boring, right? Because we want boring right. in this case, <laughs> boring, you know, run this script and there is no step two type of uh, encapsulation. I think that was a very, uh, I'll say it again, boring, but effective use case for it, right? right? We don't want interesting DR failovers. Well, and that's that's funny too, right? Because when you describe it that way and talk about how you get it to the point where it's predictable and boring, right? I'm looking at the admin who finds out, hey, this data center's down. We, we really need this up. We really need this up. And he goes, oh, fine. Yeah, and then, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Presses a button. And then insert a insert button. visual of Harvey pushing a button here that, right. that you probably didn't <laughs> oh, hear. Yeah, sorry. Um, the, uh, yeah, 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 right. Like in, in one sense, you almost could think of a, of a chart of, 
uh, boring to interesting on one axis and then like uh, IT practitioner seniority on the other, right? And the more boring a task is, the more you can, the more people on the, on in the organization can run it, right. right? If it's a really interesting task, that is a select few people that you can give that task to. The more boring it is, the, anybody can do it, right? And, and you want anybody to be, able to be able to do a DR failover. Yeah, ultimately, you want to get it to that point where anybody can do it. So you're not depending on that one person and whether or not they wake up to their phone ringing at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, right. The decision to fail over is a business decision, but the how to do it needs to be a anybody, you know, whoever's on call can do, can knock that out. So guys, sorry if I missed this. Uh, are we, am I logging into a Nutanix uh, site and plugging in my Azure information or is this all, all hosted and managed in Microsoft's world? So um, I think, yeah, th- I think uh, this should use our MCM uh, control panel. It's the multi-cloud management plane, I think. Um, don't don't uh, quiz me on the acronyms, but it's our cloud provisioning uh, platform, right? And so it it's where uh, that's, why, that's why I said if, if we if we reuse any prior art here, like like we did for provisioning on AWS, you know, you simply log into the Nutanix portal. Uh, hop over to the to the clusters area, and then from there you can build a cluster on, you know, now you know your choice of of either of these two clouds. So yeah, you'll start you'll start and end on the Nutanix uh, portal on a on a portal that we maintain for you. Uh, number two under this uh, heading of easy three easy steps is unify on prem. Uh, I'll highlight the word on prem because so many people say on premises uh, on prem. And uh, Azure environments through the use of Prism Central. You want to mm-hmm. talk through that a little bit? Yeah, just talking about how <clears throat> you know your day-to-day uh, experience of running this kind of environment really doesn't change dramatically, right? You're simply running another Nutanix cluster that can be part of all your existing automation workflows, all your existing management. Um, panes of glass is boring, but like tabs in your browser, right? The same Prism Central that you use today can manage the clusters you already have on-prem and can manage the clusters that you build in the cloud in the future, um, right. as well as target them for automation, target them for application. They're just another Nutanix cluster. Yeah, and so for a lot of our customers, a lot of people who are already using Nutanix, uh, especially those who are using it in multiple data centers, using Prism Central is already things that, you know, something they do now. They're already trained on it. They already know how to use it. This is just adding another data center that, oh, just so happens to be in Azure. Um, so they still control it the same way. They can still use the same control panels, the same screens that they're already used to. Uh, this just puts it in another data center. I mean, it's literally, you know, what we talk about with cloud all the time, right? What is cloud? It's just somebody else's data center. Um, this, this is just more proof of that. You're able to use the current uh, tools that you're using in your data center right now for, you know, Azure or for AWS and use containers clusters. So then uh, step three says migrate workloads with ease. I don't, uh, I guess that's a step, right? You've, you've got it all plumbed up and connected and then it's just a matter of moving uh, live workloads, if I'm not mistaken, back and forth. And, and can you do the concept of live migration between the on-prem and the uh, and the cloud world, Jira. I'll defer. I don't remember if we've mentioned that specifically yet uh, so far in the in the preview <clears throat> about the about live migration. But yeah, for sure, um, migration in general, right? Uh, depending on you know, usually there's a lot of latency considerations around that. Um, but for sure, replicating snapshots like this architect, like this highlights um, 
you know, sending data from containers, all the VMs that you already have uh, can move there, whether it's with our native Nutanix replication or from any VM architecture, right, using our move tool, right, which can do uh, basically an anything to Nutanix type of migration for you. All right, I'm going to pause here for a second and ask the question I asked the other day. Do either one of you guys know about the entitlements that happen in the Azure world, like the multi-session Windows, Windows client, a.k.a. Windows 11 at this point? But, Jair, has anybody else brought that up to you guys since we talked last week? Uh, no, I remain uh, as agnostic as possible as I can be on Microsoft licensing. <laughs> you, you might get this one again. I'm, I'm just warning you. I can say that as much as you want. Don't worry. <laughs> but I think I think that's just huge, right? The ability to use Nutanix and all the UI and all the power that comes along with that and get the entitlements of multi-session and true Windows subscription licensing. Uh, it, that That's just like the um, like the nirvana of Attention this, this story. To me, I mean, it sounds very exciting. I mean, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're enthused about it. <laughs> I, I like what you're doing there, Jairo. <laughs> Virginia moving forward. All right. Sorry about the public service announcement in the background. All right. So next section is uh, featured highlights. Uh, number one, procurement in minutes. I think you guys touched on that with Harvey hitting yeah. the uh, fictitious button a minute ago, but uh, yes. what's that mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Harvey and I, we, we've done this for customers before, right? Like they, they hit the button, uh, had a cluster about 45 minutes later, and we're replicating VMs up to it later that day. So not a lengthy procurement uh, to get it up and running. No, I mean, that's kind of the point, right? You, when you look at using cloud architecture or public files, you're, you're doing that for the flexibility and ability to be able to instantly start consuming resources. Uh, you don't have to go out and buy anything. You don't have to go and set anything up, rack and stack anything, right? Everything's already there waiting on you. And being able to take advantage of that is exactly what this is talking about, being able to actually procure it and start using it in a matter of minutes. Well, I think, I mean, <clears throat> Harvey, as much as you and I have seen, right, lacrosse, uh, whether it's a POC deployment or a real, you know, purchase Nutanix deployment, uh, kind of feels like we're always waiting on VLANs and networking, right? And so when always. that when that all just goes away, <laughs> right? It's almost a it's almost a platonic ideal of a Nutanix install of like now it's as fast as it ever could have been uh, under ideal circumstances. It, and it's so funny, you know, the things we get used to, right? Because when you talked before about oh, we need to bring up a, a DR data center, for example, normally you're talking months out right? Because you've got all kinds of things to put in place. One of them, just to make you laugh around, you know, you're, you're coming around networking. One of them is making sure you get circuits in there. Yeah. Something as simple as that, that, that is what probably takes the longest in the process. Like the yeah. first start. Right. That, now when the business says we need DR and we need it tomorrow and you go, yeah, sure. No problem. You'll, you'll get like a double take of like, wait, what? You yeah. Know, exactly usually usually you say right. we can't and we argue at this point and now you're just saying yes. Yeah. That's, that's a very, very powerful thing. And eventually we'll get to the point where, you know, you'll say, oh yeah, we can do it in 45 minutes. And they're like, oh my gosh, 45 minutes. What's, what's taking you so long? <laughs> right. At some point, at some point we apply the Scotty principle, right? And you like add your <laughs> estimates so that you look even better. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
So guys, I'm just envisioning this uh, button thing we need to create like as a marketing campaign. It's just a button. It's just, 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 right. a button. It's just a button. Just click the button. <laughs> Uh, okay, on-demand, scale up, scale down. Hopefully, a lot of our listeners have been having cloud, IaaS, and PaaS conversations for a while, but uh, you know nothing changes there. We just now have Nutanix to uh, we just now have Nutanix in play, which makes that story around image management, as I was alluding to earlier, just just part of it and, and simplified and easy, right? Right. Well, and it's like <clears throat> hardware as a service finally sort of. Um, uh, unthrottles our software capabilities that we've always had, right? We've always been able to expand the cluster, add a node, you know, in minutes, right? Just detect it, expand, done. When I can make the hardware appear as a service on demand as well, now I can really expand, you know, crazy, crazy fast, right? We have customers, you know, that that's part of their DR plan is failover and add more nodes to accommodate, you know, the, the running workload there. So uh, next section, global expansion without physical data center presence. Again, reminding the world that uh, these aren't real clouds. These are data centers that we're just connecting to. Yeah, totally. Uh, probably, probably use that joke over and over again. But now we've got uh, the ability to you know, go worldwide based on the presence of Microsoft's data centers, a.k.a. Azure, uh, in places that uh, we, we haven't gone yet, but we can now. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we've all heard customers say they want to get out of the get out of the data center business, right? Which you know right. makes certain sense, right? Like. I would say with almost, almost without meeting a customer, you probably should be in either the cloud or a good quality local colo, right? Like I agree, most almost everybody should get out of the business of running private data centers. Um, and this can, this can accomplish that goal too, right? When you can move a workload into, you know, really with, it says data center, think of it more like an availability zone, right? Do but I need- I, But I just put an AC in the broom closet. It's, it's working great now. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a giant there's a giant sign on the switch that says do not turn off right <laughs> like what what else do i need um you know well, and, and you guys are you answering see? this from a from a technical and a data center you know uh, the hardware footprint but the other part is just the, the expansion of the business without those uh limitations and and slowdowns absolutely no, totally right like if if you think you'll only ever need a broom closet worth of technology like I would hope you're planning for more growth than that for your business, right? Like if that, that will eventually become a constraint, right? And how would we solve that constraint if your business does grow and, and try and, ex- and need to exceed that? Okay. Uh, next is integrated networking, which I think we touched on a little bit ago. You guys talked about waiting on the networking guys. Uh, not, not to say they haven't done that. Not to say I haven't had networking guys just totally break <laughs> my entire environment, AKA provisioning services over the weekend. And then, you know, blame Oops. blame me, like literally me. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't even here. You guys did a whole network cut over. That's not anyway. So networking and the integration piece uh, that just comes along with having it in a public cloud like this. Yeah, I mean the Nutanix simplicity, right? Top to bottom, uh, combined with you know the benefit of treating the cloud as a you know the, you could say data center, could say availability zone, right? Is like what do I what can I then do? What interesting things can I do? with proximity to the cloud, right? When I want to heavily consume a, a cloud service, well, boy, doing it within that perimeter can make a lot of sense for certain workloads, right? So getting to natively access uh, Azure services at Azure network speeds is pretty cool. Oh yeah, and knowing that that's hardware and capabilities behind that software beyond what you could ever afford or many, many people could right. afford. <laughs> right. Smart host placements, what does this term mean? <clears throat> so thinking of thinking of the cloud as a data center, as a bunch of data centers, as a bunch of availability zones, just saying that basically behind the scenes, we're being smart enough to say, 
you know, uh, place my nodes intelligently such that like a rack failure can't take out more than one of them. Um, or, or if, if, if there are multiple ones in a rack, right. Are we configured for the right kind of like rack awareness that we can do at a data level to make sure that these kind of, um, uh, failure domains that you maybe not can't, can't always control as a tenant of the cloud don't affect your workloads. And that's a level of uh, smartness that Nutanix is going to bring on top of, or uh, a validation at least uh, on top of Azure. Usually, yeah, I'm not authoritative on that, but usually it's a brokering between the MCM, our deployment platform, and the backend cloud provider to, to say, you know, I need a node in this availability zone or in that failure domain, and, and then it gets placed intelligently. And then number six, I'm just envisioning uh, Harvey's wife saying, I told you so, but you broke anyway, so now I need to come up and make it, make it happen over here. Like just <laughs> mitigating that uh, potential risk hmm. on number five, but then, you know, adjusting for it if and when it happens. Sorry. Yeah, podcast as therapy, yeah. Um, the, uh, no, so auto host remediation talks about um, how is the other benefit, right, that derives from hardware as a service is that now if the hardware... Uh, goes belly up, you have a node goes sideways because hardware gonna hardware. Why bother waiting on that node to get fixed and like lay hands on it, crack it open the way we would on prem? Mm -hmm. Man, fail fast. Eject that node from the cluster, bring in a new one, reheal, done, right? That that borked node is somebody else's problem, not mine anymore. That's and, and that, just such a beautiful thing to me. <laughs> I mean, imagine yeah. a world where you let uh, X percent of the hardware go bad before you even go in and start replacing them because you just don't. You don't, you don't need to go crazy. attack them one at a well, time. Well, see that, but see that's that's a that's a if I if I may, that's an old school own the hardware model. When I when my SLA from the from the cloud provider is I pay you per node, I want healthy nodes. Mm -hmm. I give it back as soon as it gets sick, right? Like there's no requirement to tolerate X percentage of of sick nodes. Right. Yeah. Uh, DR cost optimizations. There's a, a huge element of this that uh, if 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 at the very least you don't use this for production every day, every moment use cases, certainly from a DR perspective, the idea that you're paying a fortune for old clunky hardware that you have to go deploy upon when the time comes, that those days should be over for most. And this is just another enabler of making that happen. Yeah, this is another big one for a lot of people. Um, just the ability to have something sitting there basically waiting for you uh, in the case that you have a, a DR scenario, but you're not paying full price for it the entire time. And, and full price, to your point, Andy, doesn't just mean in dollars. That's in upkeep and maintenance and making sure that things are working. You have all of these costs that go into having a ready DR uh, scenario so that you know when you actually do have a failure, you can fail over to it. Uh, this is giving you the option to be able to have that in a, in a cost-effective bundle and then when something does happen, you can then take what you have there and just expand it out. Just, you know, deploy that, uh, deploy the platform there so that you can bring up all the virtual machines you need uh, in a very quick fashion, like we've already been discussion, discussing uh, and be able to just move forward, right? This, this is giving you that flexibility and giving you that scenario that we've been talking about for so long in the IT world. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite stories there, four years after Hurricane Katrina, I went to SunGuard in Atlanta and there were still people walking around in their bathrobes. They were, they were stuck there. <laughs> yeah, that, that ability to, you know, just pay for what you need when you need it, right? Have, keep a pilot light cluster, a smaller DR cluster around just as a replication target. 
right. get more nodes if you need to for more compute uh, capacity when you fail over, right? That's 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 always been our mantra at Nutanix, right? Pay for what you need when you need it. Yeah. And, and maybe you reserve some of it or what have you and know that when you get it, it's going to be relevant, not 10-year-old stuff that somebody just met their minimum right. SLAs. Yeah. And that's, and that's an interesting model that, you know, a lot of cloud providers expose is that, well, I want to pay for these on a commitment basis and therefore pay a lower price per pound for those, pay for these on demand, pay maybe a higher hourly cost, but I also won't need them all the time, right? So I'll, I'll net out a savings there. Okay, um, this last uh, number eight here talks about cost, visibility, and governance. Jairo kind of alluded to that a while ago when he was talking about, you know, what it really means to have a private cloud. Uh, you know, we've got people that that adopt hyperconverge, and that's that's really enough to call it their own private cloud. But until you take advantage of some of the business benefits like visibility and governance, you're really not you're really not getting what the cloud promise is. And obviously if you can take your Nutanix on premises and, and move it into public cloud by proxy of what the public cloud does, you, you know, automatically get some of those uh, business objectives covered. The, <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Right. The um, not, not losing that ability to get visibility into like, what do I pay per VM? Right. And how do I make sure that I'm, um, helping hold applications accountable on a, on a cost basis. Like it's critical to maintain that um, uh, wherever you're going to deploy VMs. And of course, of course, no different with the solution either. So guys, uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of move us through this next uh, piece, uh, key uh, use cases and supported regions. Uh, let's go with the use cases first. We've hit some of them already. Business continuity and disaster recovery. Those aren't the same thing, but they go hand in hand. Um, any additional highlights beyond what we've covered so far? No, I mean, I, I think we've covered those well, and hopefully everybody at this point knows the difference between the two. If not, let's have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we hit it. Um, that ability to use any, it, like, like it says here, any supported Azure region right now can be, can be a DR uh, environment for you. Very, very important. And that does a lot for enabling geographic, just geographic, um, <clears throat> what am I trying to say here? Uh, diversity or you know, covering that geographic checkbox that a lot of folks uh, can't cover within their own footprint or haven't historically been able to. All right, guy just went by carrying a Hello Kitty um, bag, riding a skateboard to the airport. Man, I, <laughs> I mean, I think we can all agree. It sounds like he's having a really great day. <laughs> you know these uh, terminals are probably a great place to ride a skateboard. I mean, you know, like air travel can only take it out of you, right? But that guy, he is prepared. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next uh, says on-demand capacity bursting. I think we've covered that. Uh, that's what public clouds, and then the uh, the frictionless app migration to Azure. A lot of companies have some degree of needing to move to cloud, uh, yes. as we covered in the last podcast some people are you know they're hedging their bets and forecasting less of that but certainly some things some things belong there at, at certain moments of the day well and this this is another um, another big one right this this is i've got this app that has basically chained me to this operating system this server and this data center and now you've got the ability to still move that app uh basically on its same infrastructure, uh, just using utilizing Nutanix to put it, put it in a different physical place so that it can still run. 
Uh, you, you might still be chained to some of those other things that you're chained to from a software perspective, but at least you don't have to be chained physically. It'll be yeah, like I think the use cases almost go together, right? When you can move apps quickly, you can move them whether they need to move and stay there or move them whether they need to do like a seasonal kind of burst, right? Um, could, could be like the early days of live migration where you just move servers around just for the fun of it, see my notice. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I never did that. Never. Ever. <laughs> ever. I mean, it's funny, like this theme of, of networking being so important as we go through this, right? Like, um, uh, because networking doesn't necessarily mean like the switching networking can mean like who talks to that app, right? right. If your Citrix farm was on prem and your app moved to Azure, well, that's an interesting choice, let's say at least, right? Like, but that ability to say, let's keep the, the EUC farm near the application server when it moves. Yes. Now that's, that's actually an enabler, right? Yes. Please always move workloads people. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Right. Like what data has gravity, Harvey? Like that matters? It, yes, yes, it matters. <laughs> I promise. We, we, we like to say the Citrix protocol, ICA or HDX, uh, it's it's awesome, but it's not magic. Yeah. Okay, uh, next section here talks about supported regions. Uh, looks like this is currently in the preview, at least available in US East and West. Uh, that is correct, right? Yeah, I mean, this part, this part will probably stale the quickest, I guess. This podcast like could have a lot of value in two years, but this one uh, will almost certainly change change first, right? So this is just saying, just while we're in preview, here's the two Absolutely. the two Azure regions, right? That we uh, that we're running the preview in. Yeah. So this next section is uh, network and storage architecture. That's probably a podcast all to itself. Um, it is. How, how do we cover How do we cover this in five minutes on a podcast? <clears throat> um. By by teasing the next podcast and just saying, Pretty you know, much. yeah, for, <laughs> for sure that uh, you know, uh, in, in general, right, Nutanix deployment, right, brings simplicity to the end users, um, and then also you know, leveling up that uh, Nutanix clusters on Azure, right, also powered by Flow networking, which we have barely even said on this podcast, and would be a much right. deeper dive, um, but we'll bring even more capabilities to end users. So why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, why don't we call this one a, a, a podcast with some of the conversations we've had so far, and and we'll prep and have a part two of this one and, and talk more about the networking architecture piece, uh, and maybe dive deeper. And Jairo, if you've got anybody on your side that you want to bring to that uh, bring to that conversation, that would be great. But uh, let's 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 don't try to rush through this part because there's some really good information that we don't want to just gloss over. Oh, our our first part two. <laughs> so a, a cliffhanger, or like people That's of right. my age like to talk about, is when you know Bo and Luke jumped the jump, and now we go to commercial. That's right. <laughs> Some people have no idea. What we're uh, that makes me feel old. I, can I be one of those people? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I, I I tell you what, you you figure it out by the next one. We're going to ask you on it. Oh, I figured that out, and you'll go figure out Flow Networking and Leech Present? Uh, no, I didn't oh. say that. Okay. We'll discuss that when we discuss this this other piece for you. Got That's it. your homework. Oh, got it. Okay. Oh, I have homework now. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, now you have homework. Just, I, I had nothing, nothing else to do, so that, that's great. Yeah. So to make it easy for you, just Google Bo and Luke cliffhanger or something. That's yeah. right. Very cool. When you come back next week, you'll be one of the good old boys. Oh, nice. <laughs>
That was a good. That was a good tie-in there, Harvey. <laughs> I, I I would really like to. I would really like to see uh, who. Who knows what we're talking about at this point and who doesn't? <laughs> all, all I'll say is Friday night TV when I was a kid was so much better than it is now. <laughs> you waited all week for Friday night TV. Absolutely. <laughs> and you go back and watch it nightly. That was horrible. But man, it was so good. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I, can, can, I can tell from context clues, right? This is like uh, my equivalent for this would be, you know, um, uh, Adam West, Burt Ward, you know, Batman Robin, like tied to the board, like sinking into the vat of acid. And they're like, ah, same bat time, same bat channel. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And that was horrible too. If you go back like and watch that. it. <laughs> Pow. That is, the, that is the most enjoyable bad TV I've ever watched. I think. Damn. <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere like South Park or something more, <laughs> more um, of a, I don't know, more recent generation. I mean, or it's my life philosophy why go south park when i could go batman yeah okay <laughs> words to live by <laughs> Attention, all right guys well i'll let you go with that one i got a hotel and a dinner i gotta get to but uh, we'll do a part two of this and uh maybe there'll be more content even than what we've covered so far but we will uh we'll revisit this one and hopefully people got a lot out of it and it's, it's a big thing and as we've you know been chasing gyra forever and he finally got it out that's right. Uh, you know, clusters on uh, Nutanix Manager. <laughs> Sorry that I was such a such a holdup there. You know, um, I'll try to do better next time or something. I'm just glad you had time to get all the code together. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, that's why I said I had nothing to do now, right? <laughs> His work here is done. Now he's going to move to Raleigh and find a different project to go. Right. Yeah, all right, guys. Expand out to other regions. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for the time. We'll do it again next week. Talk Absolutely. to y'all.